Good morning, you two. How are you guys doing today? We're great. Thank you. This has got to be an amazing journey for you, this documentary, because is there anybody that doesn't have a Yogi Berra story? Because your grandfather was so giving to his fans and followers. I mean, we, we always caught him at baseball card shows and, and, and he would, I mean, just everybody's got a story. I, I do think that everybody has a yoga story and I'm always super amazed by that because so many people come up to me and tell me they either met my grandpa Yogi one time or they actually never met him at all, but were inspired by him or touched by him in some way. And, you know, they tell me that they loved my grandfather and they mean that in yep. the same sense of the word love that I mean it when I say I love my grandfather. And it's just incredibly amazing and humbling um, and the extent of his reach and the way he touched people never ceases to amaze me. Sean, was it was it an, a, a moment in your life where you go, why hasn't this story been shared? What, what What's going on here? This needs to be out here right now. Yeah, well, if I said right now, this movie would have come out in 2018. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so that's when I was approached. Um, you know, I was initially approached by... Um, uh, Peter Sobolov, our lead producer, our initial producer, who uh, who got the ball rolling, and 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 he had um, I had worked with him previously, and he had actually just seen uh, the um, documentary about um, Mr. Rogers, and, yes. and and so he yeah, and so he uh, he thought that Yogi deserved that same type of treatment, so he you know reached out to the Bear family, who he had a connection with, and he brought me into the fold, and we got rolling. Lindsay, he talks about a doctor. I mean, a Mr. Rogers, and we just recently found out that Mr. Rogers wrote music and did things in a musical form. Your your, your grandfather Yogi had he couldn't have just been creative on that baseball diamond. What else did he do that we're going to learn about? Um, he was not musically inclined. <laughs> I mean, there's no way. Grandpa was really just like a, a, a sports guy. He um, he he played golf a lot. He, he he was he was he loved to play golf. He liked to watch old movies on on, on you know westerns and whatnot. Loved his Seinfeld reruns. Loved to watch fights. He he really just loved all the sports. Um, there's there's definitely not like a secret hidden talent um, unless you call like being truly ambidextrous a talent. Like he could cut his steak with either hand. He. He was a natural right-hander who um, ended up playing baseball or throwing righty and hitting lefty, but he played golf lefty, but putt or righty, but putt lefty. <laughs> um, you know, he did things all kinds of, of, of ways he could really do anything with either hand. Sean, in putting this together, you talked to a lot of baseball legends, Hank Aaron, Johnny Bench, Willie Mays. These are the people that just really inspired generations of baseball fans. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the roster of people we talked to were just absolutely incredible. I mean, yes. I mean, being able to sit in Billy Crystal's backyard for 90 minutes to talk about Yogi <laughs> was a real, I mean, a, an absolute dream. And, and you know, to be able to have Vin Scully in the owner's box of Dodger Stadium, you know, um, you know, batting practice was going on for a Cubs game. So we had to hustle, but we got a great interview there and Derek Jeter and Mariana Rivera and just everybody, um, Bob Costas. And uh, then the people who played with Yogi were really big to us and big to Lindsay too. Cause we wanted to talk to people who actually knew him as a player. So Bobby Richardson and Tony Kubek and Hector Lopez and uh, Ralph Terry, we had to go, you know, uh, go out to learn in Kansas, you know, two flights and a three hour drive is about as far as you can get anywhere in America. And, uh, but we, we went to the edges, uh, edges to, for Yogi, you know, he deserved it. Lindsay, was there ever a time in, um, where you got to go and be on the diamond with, with, uh, your grandfather? Because I mean, to be out there on his, on his level of play, it would have been like, wow, this is, this is where it happens. 
Well, I was born in 1977, so I missed his whole playing career. Um, but when I was a little girl, it was prior to his firing by George Steinbrenner. So at like six or seven years old, I got to go and see him manage some games. And I used to sit with one leg in the field area and one leg in the stands on the old tan wall next to the dugout at Yankee Stadium. And he wouldn't let me sit there unless I had my little baseball glove. <laughs> but I used to sit there, and, uh, you know, during batting practice and, and you know, watch him chatting with the guys behind the batting cage and wonder what he was telling big Dave Winfield with his flip up sunglasses. Um, but he was he was fired by Steinbrenner in 1985. I was not yet seven years old. Um, so there was a big uh, uh, hiatus there until he went back to Yankee Stadium. I did go down in Houston to Houston a few times when he was coaching there. But, um, you know, obviously I, I was way too young to see him play, which is unfortunate. Sean, the one of the things that I, I, I'm learning more and more about about the game of baseball, it's more than just something that we thoroughly enjoy. And then when we hit those fall months, we go to the playoffs. They have a life. They they have a connection with other baseball, you know, players such as Johnny Bench. And and did did Johnny get to talk about the real life Yogi Berra in the way that it's like, oh my God, I had no clue, and now I embrace their relationship as as catchers uh, for for a, a, a game that is just unbelievable every season. Um, so uh, did Johnny, we didn't interview Johnny for the doc actually. Mm. So, um, so we didn't get a chance to talk to him, but I know they had a really, they, there was a lot of back and forth between them and Yogi really congratulated Johnny and, you know, Johnny broke some, uh, uh, Yogi's catching, you know, some sort of, you know, hitting records and stuff. And I know, you know, there was some communication back and forth. Um, so they were really deeply, deeply respect each other. And, you know, one thing that's really important to point out in this documentary, we start off by saying, Hey, you know, Yogi wasn't included in this list of, uh, you know, the four greatest living players. And those, those players are, you know, Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. And uh, Sandy Koufax and Johnny Bench, and, and 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 in no way are we trying to say, trying to diminish the you know what those those incredible incredible Hall of Fame you know uh, players had done. All we were trying to say in the film is like, hey, you know, Yogi should have been included in that conversation, mm-hmm. you know, based on just the numbers. So you know that's something we want to get across as well. My my dad and I actually just saw Johnny Bench last weekend at the dedication of the USS Cooperstown in 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 New York. The the Navy named a, a new uh, warship after Cooperstown, which is the home of the of the Hall of Fame, and all the families of of the uh, Hall of Famers who served were there. But it's it's funny. My so my dad and Johnny saw each other, gave each other a big big hug. But a few times, my dad folks came up to him and actually mistook him for Johnny Bench. So we were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Those yogi isms, uh, Lindsay. I mean, I mean, I, I'm a daily writer. There are things that usually appear on my paper that it's like, oh my god, I never even thought about that until I just met the words on the page. What did did he write it in a, bo- a book first and shared it with the world? How did how did these things happen? Because he spoke a lot of truth. Yeah, he he didn't. Uh, they just fell out of his mouth. Like he didn't he didn't plan to say them. He didn't write his stuff. Like he, he wasn't trying to be funny or pithy in any way. It was just the way he spoke. He had this very black and white way of seeing the world, no shades of gray. He was super able to just cut through the crap and call a spade a spade. And, you know, if you get past the initial silliness, like you 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 hear them and you're like, wait, what? And then you really think about them and they're all really profound and mm-hmm. very true and, you know, very applicable to your life in so many situations. They pop into my head all the time. And it just really is about kind of simplifying the situation so i think they're brilliant did you have to do any hardcore research there sean in in the way that we all assume that we know yogi's story but then when you got digging into all that all that stuff in the archives it's like wait a second nobody knows this and we get to bring it forward 
Oh my goodness. I mean, that's really what I've been doing for the past five years. Yeah. I've got every book I've read every, you know, tried to watch every interview. I mean, our archival process was really in depth. I mean, you know, uh, we were about two thirds of the way through the interviews when COVID hit. And so we had to take about a year off from production. And while that was really, um, kind of difficult and stressful and, you know, are we going to finish? I knew we were going to finish, but it's just, you know, things got delayed. That extra year actually really helped with research and editing and archival and, and getting the rights. I mean, you know, getting all the rights to all this, uh, all these materials was a real kind of nightmare, but, uh, but we pulled it off in, you know, Vanishing Angle, our production company out in LA, just, they're really just the, the, the top tier um, producers out out there and they were able to navigate that for us. Lindsay, there's always a business side to the entertainment world. And when it comes to a documentary like this, how were you approached and was it, was it a family decision or is it something that it's like, you know, it's an automatic win. We we've, we've got to do this no matter what. So full credit goes to Peter Sobloff, our, our producer who saw the Mr. Rogers documentary in the summer of uh, 2018 and ended up loving it and was playing in my grandfather's museum uh, golf outing the next day. He saw my dad and my uncles and he said, how come there's no Mr. Rogers documentary, but about your dad? And they said, I don't know, nobody's ever made one. Mm-hmm. So he said, can I? And he had done a movie with Sean. Um, so that was how the ball really got rolling. Um you know, I, I, as far as it being like a business decision, I don't know that you make a documentary to make money. Maybe it's, it's, it's really it's really not a, a lucrative endeavor. and It's a lot of work. Um, the, the purpose for me is just to keep my grandfather's legacy alive and remind people what a tremendous baseball player he was. And also that as great as he was of a player, as a player, he was an even better human being. So it, it really is a labor of love for me. I would love to know what his reaction would be today in the way of that new clock, you know, to make sure that that pitch gets across that plate quickly. How does that change the catcher's game? I just, I'm so more interested in the players that are on that field about how a clock is going to change things. I mean, I think Grandpa liked his pitchers to work quickly. Didn't let like to let batters, you know, settle in. So I don't think the clock would have. He wouldn't have even need to look at the clock because his guy they worked faster back then anyway. I know Grandpa was always super frustrated with how long it took folks to throw the ball and the 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 you know fiddling with the velcro on the batting gloves and the stepping in and out of the box. Um, I do think, however, that he would have absolutely hated the big giant pizza box bases. Yeah. I think he would have thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> Sean. One One of the things I've always thought of catchers as being is the drummer of the band because they get to stand uh, way over here to see the entire field. Did you get any stories that are based on how the, the, the catcher's eye can watch everything that's moving from all directions? Oh, goodness. Yeah, absolutely. No, we talk a lot about that. I mean, Joe Torre talks about it. Girardi talks about it. You know, we talk about how the catcher kind of runs the show back yeah. there behind the plate. And so that's why a lot of catchers become managers because they know the game so well. And, you know, Yogi was a guy who people, you know, thought was maybe not so bright. And he dropped out of school at a young age and, you know, was kind of, you know, not not as, you know, not as sharp as anyone else. But he was the sharpest. I mean, he knew he knew the strengths and weaknesses of every single hitter that he ever faced he knew the strengths and weaknesses of every single pitcher he had and he leveraged those uh to his advantage um throughout his career are there any plans Lindsay, in the way of maybe show, uh, showing this documentary at a huge baseball card show because i mean to to be in a moment where you've got all these fans in one place not on the internet but face to face we'll be bawling our eyes out 
Not at the moment. This thing is in theaters only for the foreseeable future. It opens in uh, New York and Los Angeles, the tri-state area today in 100 theaters. It opens uh, in more cities next week, Philadelphia, D.C., Boston, St. Louis, San Francisco, Dallas, San Diego, and then more cities each week thereafter throughout May and June. Um, it'll be in the theaters all summer, but really theaters only for the foreseeable future. I love that because you're still going to go in there and you better be taking like a some some paper towel or, or a uh, something to wipe your eyes because, I mean, this is just one of those things that's going to create conversation or to be a fly on the wall when people come out of the theater. Absolutely. Sean and I have loved watching the movie and seeing people's reactions. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. One of our uh, reviewers at the Nantucket Film Festival, which is, you know, an island of Red Sox fans. So I was a little nervous about showing the film in Nantucket, said that the um, closing credits were met with rapturous applause and the sound of grown men weeping. So it is a goal of mine. Make grown men cry. So, you know, bring those tissues for sure. Let me ask you a question, Sean, in the, in the way of, of, of the future of baseball being shared. Does this inspire you to step up into the, the, the not so far back generation? I mean, because, I mean, there's, there's still so much baseball that we don't know. Uh, yes, does it inspire me to to do what exactly? To, to, to basically, I mean, what what about those players from the eighties and nineties? That I mean, we're we're talking thirty years ago, forty years ago, and it's like we we only have what's on that baseball card or what sports magazine said. Oh, making more movies, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Of this, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 directing two films right now. I've got two more coming up later this year, and 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 so I mean, I haven't really thought about making another one about a baseball figure. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the story's strong enough, I mean, you know, for me, I'm really drawn to projects where there's some sort of tension between perception and reality, and yep. and and that's why this one jumped out at me. So you know, I'm not necessarily looking to make any more baseball films. I mean, if if the subject approaches and it, if it's the right subject, I I think I would. But you know, I'm really I'm really drawn to just great stories and, and regardless of you know where they come now one thing i did not know Lindsay, and it's the fault of me not doing my proper uh, history ch- check is the fact that i didn't know that he was a d-day navy veteran my god my dad my dad was in world war ii did he talk about it because my father did not he did not talk about it okay. very much at all um but yeah he volunteered to join the navy before he had a chance to be drafted he was playing baseball in norfolk virginia for the norfolk tars and he just went on over to the naval base there and said here i am um he ended up on an lcss a, a rocket boat which came off of the uss bayfield off of omaha beach during the d-day invasion he was a machine gunner providing cover fire for our troops going ashore and, you know, I, I say often that when you make it through a life or death situation, um, a, a real life or death situation, you know, they talk about grandpa as a great clutch hitter. The, the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs is nothing <laughs> compared to live combat. And I think the perspective grandpa got in, in World War II just, you know, really made him approach the rest of his life with this profound sense of gratitude that he came home when so many other men did not. And, you know, to play a kid's game for a living, you can't help but just be so joyful in your approach to that after going through an experience that was such a stark contrast to that. And I think being in World War II really made him who he was. But 
like so many men of that generation, he really did not talk about it much. Wow. Sean, you got to be so up close and personal with all the films. Did you did you have the the, the guts to look into the eyes of those players in in the way that when you when you would get real super close, you would you would fade up into it. Did you see the eye connection? Because I always think that baseball players have more communication with their eyes than they do with their mouths. You know, that's really interesting you say that. And actually a very perceptive question. I don't think I've gotten that one yet. And I'll be honest, like when I went in to interview Derek Jeter, you know, we only had 30 minutes with him. It was really tight. You know, we had, you know, we were on a really tight clock. Couldn't have been more gracious and couldn't have been more wonderful. But that being said, I mean, just there is an intensity behind his eyes and there's a bit of a lean forward in his posture that's like, I don't want to pitch to this guy, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I, I was definitely that. I think that that was maybe some of my best work as a director is being able to get. Cause we got some great stuff from Derek. He's incredible in the film. He see he tells some really lovely, funny, and 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 both you know heartfelt stories about Yogi. So, but I only had thirty minutes with a lot of these guys. I mean, you know, now you know um, Billy Crystal sitting in his backyard for ninety minutes chatting about Yogi was incredible. I mean, I, I think we could have exported that whole ninety minutes and just released it as a documentary. Honestly, so you know, all the interviews were different, but you know, Vin Scully. You know, uh, Bob Costas, Mariano Rivera. I mean, they were all incredible, and and uh, being able to pull out, you know, these emotional moments uh, um, was something I really, really, um, you know, worked hard to do. And 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 I think the film, you know, um, displays them really well. Yeah, Lindsay. One of the things that I've learned in talking with people who write memoirs is the fact that they believe that they're doing it for their own personal families. Do you feel that this is a love letter to those that are two and three generations from where you stand right now in your family? I hadn't really thought about it like that because I was using it to kind of remind folks today, but that's actually a great point. Um, you know, my nephew Jackson is only 10 and um, he, when, when Grandpa Yogi passed away, he was, uh, I don't know, four and my Grammy Carmen was three. And when he saw the film, he said to his mother, my sister, he said, I didn't know that Grammy's name was Carmen. And it totally <laughs> broke my heart, but, you know, cause he only hears us talk about Grammy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do think that there's so much the next generations can learn from watching this film. At least it's a great start. I, you know, they're going to have to listen to the rest of us talking about grandpa all the time, but yeah, we'll be like, I, we can tell them, go watch this film and come ask me any questions you have. That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Thank you you. so much. You be brilliant today, okay? We will. We'll try. (laughs) 